Welcome to the Prime People Podcast, where we cover all things that got us to where we are today, our team building strategies, the marketing and sales tips that we've learned through thousands of transactions, productivity tips, ways to really just hold yourself accountable to accomplishing what you want to accomplish, and all things content creation, personal development, and not to mention we have some of the best guests on the planet. I am a big fan of just like a really nice soft palette. Um, we add a lot of mirrors, we add a lot of accent pillows, a lot of different textures. So we create that visual interest with the textures and the different accessories that we bring into this space. And then usually paint, I would say is super important. Most people need to paint yeah. nine times out of 10. And I always say, if it comes down to we're gonna paint or we're gonna stage, paint. paint. Yeah. So I guess, what am I trying to accomplish with you today? I don't know, we're just gonna teach everyone some information about home staging, I guess. For sure, why on earth would you come on something like this and tell all your secrets <laughs> to everybody when they could just do it themselves, right? Oh, right, exactly, yeah. it's just so simple. <laughs> totally. Same thing on the real estate side, right? I think the reason I wanted to have this conversation is quite often, you know, people ask us about the home selling process, people call us all the time for appraisals and information, and we give them everything. Right. And quite often, you know, sometimes people think they can do it themselves. Other times they want to learn from an expert. I think, you know, there's room for everybody in the world. And if there's people that are going to get value from this for their own purposes, we're happy for you for sure. But I've watched you grow your business since the beginning. We go way back. back. And I remember just the consistency of the growth. Right. And I was actually training one of our new employees today. And we were talking about what they want to become and who they want to become and what they have to do to constantly get there and how that changes over time. So, I mean, before we even get into the episode and the goods and what you actually do and some practical applications beyond behind what you do, where did the origin story start? Like you've come really far. Where's Jalen Summers from? How did you end up in home staging to begin with? Oh gosh, so I grew up in Woodstock, dairy capital of Canada. Um, So just a small town, my parents, oh gosh, my mom's actually moving this year. Well, next year, I guess. It'll be her 39th move, I think. She's 78. So my parents moved all the time, and um, my whole childhood was spent looking at model homes, looking at open houses. Back then, they didn't have the internet. So it was the, remember the book? Yeah. With just your realtor would give you this book, and it was like the yellow pages, and there would just be these little black and white pictures of homes. And that's kind of what I did as a kid with my parents. And then, Oh gosh, fast forward, I moved to London with my son Tyler when he was three and I started working at London Life. Always wanted to work at that building with the, you know, perfect grass and carry a briefcase. And I don't know, 12 years in, I was like, wow. this I didn't even know you had a background there. So you were yeah. working at London Life prior to getting into home staging. Yeah. So my entire family is actually in insurance. My dad, my sisters, everyone. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to work in that building and be yeah. in the corporate world. And then I realized that you know, my passion was real estate, something to do with houses. And so one day I just gave me two weeks notice and jumped ship, started my business, no money, had single mom and here I am. That's wild. So I'm actually gonna backtrack and we're gonna start the story there. So you're working in insurance, you're working in a beautiful building, you have a pension for design, obviously the building's gorgeous and you're already incorporating design into your life. When you look at starting a new career, what kind of brought you to the place where you're comfortable giving your two weeks? You clearly started doing research and stuff prior on how you were going to roll it out, or did you just jump in and figure it out? Um, for me, it was 
the monotony of the same thing over and over, day in and day out, and waiting until Friday, yeah. right? Counting the days until the weekend, and then, you know, Sunday night, oh gosh, it's gonna be Monday again tomorrow. And then my son came home um, from school, and he was just starting grade nine, and he had to pick his courses, you know, and he, mom, what am I gonna be when I grow up? How am I supposed to know? And I said, you know, do what you love, and you'll be successful. It doesn't really matter. Everything will fall into place. And then I was like, oh. Am I taking my own advice? Yeah, you're not really walking the walk. So I literally, at that moment, typed a a message to HR and I said, thanks for everything, but here's my two weeks. So the reason I asked you that question was I know there's a lot of people out there that are watching this and listening, thinking that they got to have everything perfectly planned. They have to have their entire business plan. They got to have the funding. They got to have the furniture, the staging. They got to have the furniture. They got to do all the things that they need to do. But Quite often when you get into something, sometimes it's just take one step forward, then take the next, then take the next. Then yeah, take I the think next, I get a lot of messages on Instagram and stuff like yeah. that with people asking me, you know, Jillian, can you teach me your secrets? How did you start your company and how did you do this? And I feel like if you always have that sort of safety net, safety net and you don't jump and actually dive in all the way, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to be as driven because for me, I didn't have a job. I had a son. Mm-hmm. I had no money. Yeah. I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. You have to figure it out. And that's yeah. that's so true. I mean, I've seen that over and over in life, people getting back into a corner, even today, right? Like we share things about our business and I, I share a lot of clients with you because I trust you, but I know that you're going to get the job done exactly. and you can have the best formulated plan in the world, but what are you going to do if step two of the plan goes awry and you can't figure it out? So there's some strategy for sure to just getting into it and being able to adapt so while you're making the adaptations in your business yeah like where did you see those next levels of growth right so when i decided to do this i couldn't get any credit because i was no longer employed and i had no severance Mm -hmm. because i quit um so i started staging homes using my own furniture and um i contacted a couple people that i knew and they kind of set me you know, hey, call so-and-so and talk to them. Yeah. And I created a spreadsheet and I made myself do 100 cold calls a day. Ah, you can work here. 100 That's a awesome. day. And, <laughs> you know, I would message a realtor after realtor and yeah. be like, would you meet me for a coffee? If yes, when? And sure. if no, why did they say no? And mm-hmm. I literally did that every single day. It was horrible. This is amazing. But, I didn't expect this. And yeah. you say it's horrible, I say it's amazing. <laughs> I want the guests to grab their pens and paper and write these things down, right? So you literally just figured out, okay, what's the what's the basics of it? How do I make the relationships happen? I think I want to unpack that because there's a lot of value in that because yeah. we get approached by people all the time for relationships. 100%. So how did you find or how did you develop relationships with agents? I felt like obviously you don't click with everyone. And for me, it's all about the relationship because, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of realtors, there's lots of stagers in the city, there's lots, you know, we're, we're growing yeah. a lot. And I feel like it's all about the connection because you're sending us in to see your clients. So we have to have a good rapport where you understand how I work, I understand how you work. And then when I go in to see your clients, there's there's no trouble and no worries, right? So there's a big trust factor, I feel like, as well as loyalty. Loyalty is a huge thing for me. Like it's probably my number one thing. So I am so loyal to the people in my circle and the realtors that are so good to me. And then everything else just kind of fell into place. 
it's, you know, relationship management is everything, right? And not focusing on, you know, short-term money. I mean, there's probably files that you lost money on, but sure. you did it because you knew it was the right thing to do in the instant. Same things with me and our business is quite often, you know, based on the relationship and what we're dealing with, sometimes the money doesn't even matter. It's, you know, what's right for the person, but then five or six years down the road, you look back at your business and I bet you that's how we met. You don't really know that, but it was actually through mutual friends of ours that referred me to you because you're solid. I asked them, who do you use? They said, call Jill. She's solid. And that was the beginning of a long-term relationship in terms of what we do. And to the point where like, if you work with somebody and you truly trust them and you have that friendship and your clients are in the same ballpark, you can even kind of poke fun at that crazy attributes that I have and I can prep them for how you work. And it's, yeah. it's all positive even if we all have our own personality types, it's saying, hey, this is what we're all trying to accomplish. We're all on the same team. And there's something really critical about that, especially when it comes to selling your home where we're all working towards the same goal, 100%. right? Because one yeah. thing that you probably deal with all the time, and I know I deal with it when I mentioned staging, people don't understand the depths of what you do. Yeah. The pushback is on, well, you know, I don't want to spend money staging my house. The market's amazing. It's just going to sell itself. When they truly don't understand the reason why it's even being recommended, right? No, and there, I find that, you know, when people are selling, they're in the most stressful time of their life, right? They're yeah. selling their home, they're stressed, they don't want to, there's so much to do, to pack, to prepare, and then, you know, they're going to have a bunch of people in their house to view it. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, for us, it's just kind of navigating that stress, which helps you guys. Because we take on, you know, 80% of the workload for them. Mm -hmm. All they have to do is pack up. Yeah, and actually we, we could literally talk about what we were talking about right before we yeah. started this and it's the fact that you're a one-stop shop, right? So incorporating and understanding the dynamics of the relationship, I can call and say, hey, that fireplace needs to get trimmed, that wall needs to get painted. Plus you also understand the things and how we're gonna position the asset and that's why you come in and do what you do on the staging side. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Whalen said that you staged her mother-in-law's home prior to selling and you were blown away. Aww. So yeah, lots, lots of mutual connections throughout. I'm gonna keep this very focused though, because I do want to know, you know, expanding into the actual home staging process a little bit. Yep. When you come into a home for the first time, what are you looking at? Because I know, you know, I'll call you and say, hey, I have this beautiful home and, you know, Upper Richmond Village and it's going to be coming up in the next couple months. You know, we're going to be in the springtime. They're very early on in the process. Yeah. Should they call you now? Should they wait till the spring? How, how is Jillian's brain working? Because I've never actually asked you that. I think the more time, the better. Oftentimes I get calls from realtors, you know, and this happens to you guys all the time. You know, the client's in a big rush to sell and they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they don't give themselves enough time. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, the more time, the better. Okay. It's better to launch it. 100% ready to go yeah. then half ready to go. Sure. And I don't think homeowners understand the amount of stuff they need to do to prepare. It's like you wouldn't walk down the aisle without your hair and makeup done. You get your hair right. done and leave the makeup off. So let's, yeah. let's stop on that for a second. Yeah. So, you know, when you say that project management, number one, right, that's a tangible tip for somebody saying, yeah, you know, work on your timeline, talk to professionals early, get them in as early as possible. I'm glad I asked you that because I had a client this morning asking exactly that. They're literally going to be ready in spring. Now is probably a good time. And you're going to go through that prep process with them. You're going to tell them what exactly, like how to organize. So basically what I will do is during our initial consult is we go through the house together and I sort of put my buyer's hat on, mm -hmm. right? People buy on emotion. 
So if they walk into a home and you have a shrine of family photos everywhere and you can't see any space and it's very personalized towards you living there, which is understandable, you have to depersonalize it to a certain extent so that other people can sort of see the space, not all of your things. Yeah. So, so I'm removing items, uh, furniture, so it feels more open. Yeah, 100%. So mm-hmm. I always say with staging, less is more. Interior design, more is more. Mm-hmm. Home staging, less is more. And it's sometimes hard for people to understand that because yeah. they expect you know us to come in and clutter it up. And actually what we do is we declutter it. Mm-hmm. And we make it kind of a very neutral space so that any buyer can envision themselves living there versus you know the homeowners saying their favorite color is red. Mm-hmm. And every wall in the house is red. Well, that's great if you're living there, but nine times out of ten, most potential buyers don't want to go in and paint. They don't want to go in and take the wallpaper off the wall. They don't want to go in and do all of that prep work. They want it to be done for them now because everybody's too busy. Yeah. And we just don't have the time anymore. So it's presenting it for them. And the price points, right? So if people are paying top dollar for something and the market's demanding top dollar, then you're spending a little bit of money putting in a place where they're not getting a break or barrier. I'll give my two cents from the sales side. It could be the difference between getting two offers and getting no offers, right? If people come through and they just think, oh, I just don't want to paint that wall. If their realtor's not equipped to handle that situation, you just lost them, right? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I've heard a few times from clients where, you know, I... I interviewed a realtor and you know even your clients they suggested not to stage and then they hire you and it's like you guys get it you know why wouldn't you get the most important investment and probably the the highest investment of your life prepared properly to sell and that's where again going back to trust right like the discussion that we had earlier about sending people in to, to meet with people that were representing their best interests you don't have to tell them to stage every time like there's been a bunch of properties you come back and you're like they're going to get yeah. top dollar if they do ABC, exactly. give them the report. And, you know, I got nothing to do here. People, you know, you're not trying to get a job every single time you're going in there. Right? No, there's been a couple of times I've come back to you and I said, hey, guys, I would stage it. I appreciate the opportunity. But honestly, I'd rather, you know, so-and-so keep the money. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, because being ethical is super important to me as well, right? I'm not just going to stage it if it, if I don't feel that I can do it justice because it's our reputation. It doesn't right? have value. I've done that on real estate sales. A buddy of yeah. mine called me, was in this situation, got a, somebody knocked on the door, gave him an offer, and looked at the offer. I added commissions in again, trying to be ethical. I'm like, you might get more. I'm like, there's a good chance you don't. Like, yeah. depends on if selling for the most matters to you now. We did two deals with him since then on other things, and it's just, it's really giving people that best look at what matters to them, right? And I know, you know, going back to the difference between interior design and staging, can you break that down a little bit more? Because interior design is what, when you're taking your space and you're making it beautiful for yourself? Yeah, so interior design is very geared to whatever your personal preference would be for the person living in this space. So we would add a ton of window coverings, we would, versus staging, we go in and usually take them down. we would add, you know, specific colors geared towards the taste of the person that lives there versus staging. We like to neutralize the palette. Um, so it's very night and day. Um, for staging, it's all about the appearance of bright, clean, you know, large open concept. Whereas interior design, you know, if people want a dark, cozy space, yeah. we can create that for them with a lot of things. And then we use all of their personal items as well, right? Whereas staging, again, neutral. So let's go back and let's write that down. If you guys are watching this, the first thing you want to do is walk through your house from the lens of a buyer. 
And you're looking at those major items, right? You're also looking at, can I make the space feel any bigger by removing, say, personal items, the less and more concept, yeah. more light into the actual spaces. So any specific rooms you're looking for or hunting for when you're in the house, or are you just getting a map of the whole place when you go through there? When we do the walkthrough, we usually go through the whole house, but of course we focus on the most important rooms. Mm -hmm. You know, the great room, master bedroom, ensuite, kitchen. Those are the rooms that people pay most attention to. Basements are usually secondary for us yeah. because, well, your kids go down there and play and it's not really as important as, you know, the rooms that you're gonna showcase if you're entertaining, for example. Yeah. Um, so those rooms we pay particular attention to, and then the rest we just kind of tweak as we go. And then how do you make those rooms pop? Like, what do you do to get people's attention, or how do you get that emotional reaction from, say, a buyer coming through? I am a big fan of just, like, a really nice soft palette. Um, we add a lot of mirrors. Mm. We add a lot of accent pillows, a lot of different textures. So we create that visual interest with the textures and the different accessories that we bring into the space. Mm. And then... Usually paint, I would say, is super important. Most people need to paint yeah. nine times out of ten. And I always say, if it comes down to we're going to paint and we're going to stage, paint. paint. Yeah. I'll walk out. Like We did our last house before. with you, actually. I remember we we listed our own house yeah. and we had an offer on it. We had to take it off the market because we had a, something going on with our bill that we just couldn't bill at the time. And we did a fresh coat of paint. We left it vacant. And I remember it was very early on and we ended up getting it staged a second time around. And I remember Shannon and I walked through and we were like, this place is beautiful. We don't want to leave. Yeah. But it was a lot of those items, right? It was a lot of the accent items. We made some suggestions about changing some lighting that had a huge impact. It didn't even feel like our house anymore. Yeah. And it's amazing how like five years in a house can make a difference. Like both from the quality, the paint, the touch-ups, all the little things. Exactly. You paint a house, you, you know, update the lighting to today's standards because it changes so quickly. All of a sudden, people come in and they feel like, oh, I'm not in a dated home. I don't have to redo everything. The reverse side of things on the sale, they come in and they see dated light bulbs or dated light pendants. Then they're like, well, how old are the windows? How old is the AC? How old is the furnace? I got to redo this whole house. I'm going to spend a quarter million dollars, even if that's not the yeah. case. It adds up. And then they're right? going to get you on the offer price. And I think that's the thing, yeah. first and foremost, you know, homeowners need to detach from their house when they're ready to list. It's no longer your home. Yeah. And once they do that, then the whole process is a lot more seamless. Now, some people are not selling for happy reasons, so it's tough. Um, so we're super gentle that way. We don't force it, right? Like I just say, here's all of our suggestions. Let's pick what you are comfortable with. You know, what's your budget so you can sleep at night? And let's work with that, and we will make it work the best we can. Um, and I do think that, you know, once they understand that and we're here to help them, the process just goes really smooth. And that's a part of the conversation having a team, right? Because there's yeah. many times we come in and, you know, say they don't want to spend the money up front. They want to deal with it on the sale price. There's ways of doing that and building it in with the people that you're working with yeah. on the other side where, you know, we've taken on a lot of staging costs for our clients on certain deals because I know it just makes sense. It's a complicated exactly. situation. Let's just deal with it that way, you know, deal with it on the actual sale and then move on. Um, you know, when you're dealing, is there any advice you can give people for, you know, when you're dealing with the stickier situations, how to detach yourself from the sale? So if you're selling your own personal house, which is beautiful, how are you going to detach yourself from that sale? I, you know what? I think it's just sitting with it and understanding that, you know what? Yes, you loved your house. You had great memories with it, but now it's time to create new memories. And I, you know, even for my home, I would probably have someone else come in. For sure who is not attached to it. 
you know, because I love the way I've designed it, but it needs to be neutralized, of course. Yeah. And I think it just makes sense when you're talking about the investment of your home. You want to get top dollar. It's it's tricky, right? Because we're in the business, we deal with it every day. Every person's house is the nicest on the block. We were the nicest on the block yeah. when we sold. I remember joking with Shannon, going through the list of upgrades. And yeah, when the house was built, there were a ton of upgrades that went in, all these little things in every single room. And I said, Shannon, we're in the business. Like bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, lot size, what can I get for the money? You know, the the type of siding that I have and the one little peak of the roof isn't gonna make a massive difference, but what's the biggest impact that we're gonna get? from buyers that come in where they're like, no, I have to have this and get them to say fight over it or pay that top dollar or not nickel and dime over price. Cause I've seen it go the other way. And in our world, it's more pricing, but if priced properly and staged properly, then you know, you've done everything possible to maximize your sales yeah. price. Then it comes down to the marketing sales and negotiation. But the two biggest things that you can affect on a property are price and condition. Yeah. So why would you overlook one or the other? And then just bank everything on the sales and marketing can't. and just wish because we all know how that ends up right yeah and i think like even for for myself from a business perspective you know when we initially started we didn't have all of these things included but now it's like we were talking about earlier one-stop shop you need a backsplash done we can do it you need paint job we can paint it yeah. you need clean we can clean it you need your carpets cleaned you know, that can be done as well because we started Stanford Development, which is our renovation company. So we can do everything uh, that you need, which is great for people when they're so stressed. I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of credit too, because watching you build your business, we've had these conversations in the past. You never really just did it just to do it, right? No. You kind of added them on when it made sense yeah. of saying that, you know, I'm super dialed in on the type of client that I want. Now I want to kind of make my own French fries like we did with the production company that we have now that does a lot of our media. It's just, we want to be like McDonald's. We want to control our process. We want to control our quality so that internally, you know, we take extreme ownership that if we did something wrong in the process through that, it's us that did it. Same thing for you. You come in on the design side, you want to execute. You want to be able to do the things that you love, but it probably took you a while to get there. You know, what would be, and this is a question from Melissa Brooks, what were the five, First five things you focused on when starting your business to get that clarity. Oh, geez. Um, the first most important thing when I started was getting my inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you buy stuff? Oh, gosh. You start going to home sense and all yeah. the other places. And, just and like I said, I would use stuff. my own stuff. Yeah. If I had a vacant listing, <laughs> I would you be like, yeah, Tyler, yeah. come home and he'd be like, where's a couch? Like, well, I meant to tell you, I had a staging job today. And so we, we want a furniture for a little while. That's okay. And we would sit on the floor literally because I love it. I had no choice. Yeah. And um, so I think to be competitive in the staging world, you need to own your own furniture. Sure. And I would say probably 90% of our stages are vacant mm-hmm. that we do, um, which again is so important. People cannot tell the size of a home if it's empty. Mm-mm. It is actually the opposite of what ours. people think. Yeah, yeah, it's like, not bigger when it's empty. It actually looks smaller. We sold ourselves on the idea that we're like, well, it's kind of like a builder home, right? Bridalwood built it. I'm like, they'll be able to come through and just visualize their yeah. stuff in here. And it was the complete opposite. We got 20 grand more than the offer we had the previous year because of that, right? And it's yeah. it's visualizing space. And I always, it's funny, I tell myself this, I hire experts that are better than me at things to make me better at what I do, right? So there's different people within Prime that handle specific things. And, it's kind of the same thing with staging. Yeah, right? 100%. So 
what, what was your inspiration to go out and get the furniture? Like, were you in certain like blogs or magazine articles? Um, or were you getting inspiration? You know, from other people? Yeah, and like I'm a member of the Real Estate Staging Association, which okay. is it's based in the U.S. Um, we would go to staging conventions before COVID um, once a year, and I would <laughs> learn all sorts of things through that. And then I just it's my passion. Yeah. Kind of what it's just what I thrive on. So just researching, looking at different trends, and I have an amazing team. So, but back then, before I didn't have a team, um, yeah, I would go to Homesteads. I would go to you yes, do everything. I, mean, I would go to Kijiji. Yeah. I would figure it out because I literally didn't have any money. You'd be driving down the road yeah. and see something awesome, and then maybe a garage. I this, <laughs> or yeah, yeah and then I just slowly started to get connections and, and build relationships with yeah. people and. You know, I have guys that can custom build things for me. I basically have a person for everything now. So how long have you been at it now? Well, gosh, it'll be 12 years wow. in January. 13 That's, years. 13 years in January. And it's people yeah. think it's overnight success, right? Yeah. A lot of times you just think it's just going to come. You yeah. just jump in and two feet and you'll be just fine, right? But there's a lot of time and, and effort in the relationship building. So people watch what you're doing over a long period of time. Yeah. And then that's what kind of gets you to that next level, right? Exactly. And I mean, as you know, it's not all smooth sailing. Sometimes, you know, not everything works out the way you plan. Sometimes mistakes happen and it's just how you navigate that. So, you know, I remember the first time I staged a house, this was years ago, and the client wasn't happy. Yeah. And it wasn't that we did anything wrong. It was that they were an older couple and we changed everything and we modernized it. Not to, not ultra modern, but transitional. Yeah. And they were so used to their home. They were like, beside themselves yeah. right i've dealt with that yeah. i've seen that yeah and it's just it's you know I, i've learned to say it's okay you don't get to keep my stuff anyway but yeah. this will give you top dollar so yeah. just sit with it it's going to be a couple of weeks and, and we'll get it out of here and they're so happy at the end but you know it, it's it's so hard because they got to trust change. the process yeah. right i mean yeah. you're taking you have a certain amount of risk i mean it's so similar our jobs from the sense that i can go in and be like okay this is what we're going to price it at. This is what we're going to do to prep it. This is our marketing plan. This is how the negotiation should go. And this is, but you, you have to have a level of confidence in that because truthfully, nobody knows. Nobody has a crystal ball and the market can shift tomorrow and you can be in a different situation. But, you know, it's scary as a business owner to develop that confidence because you're so scared that you're like, well, I'm going to sound overconfident or like, how do I make them okay with this? And you come off you know, not feeling confident when they're hiring you as an expert and we can come back tongue in cheek and joke about it and be like, you're here for a reason, right? Yeah. I remember having a conversation recently with a buddy of mine and one of his friends was like one of the highest up banking CEOs in, I think it was South America, like oh, wow. massive hitter, right? And this guy made a comment about something that we put in a video that was actually thoughtfully done to showcase what the lifestyle of this property was like. Right. And I just shot back and I'm like, that's amazing. He's got a really cool job. How many houses did he sell last year? And he's like, well, what do you mean? He's, he's a banker. He doesn't sell I'm like, exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I kind of was able to joke with him, but yeah. it kind of got us over that hump. Yeah. Whereas like, you need to understand what I'm looking to accomplish to get buyers to the property to execute. Same thing in your world. I mean, I probably second guess some stuff that you do until I see it in action. Right? And how did you get over those humps or how did you build confidence as somebody to have those conversations with people? Initially, I, you know, when I first started, I remember my, I, of course I hurt my feelings when I would be like, Oh my gosh, I'll go back and I'll change and I'll do this. And, yeah. and then after probably about a year, um, I would say, just trust the process. Yeah. You, we know what we're doing. 
we wouldn't do anything that would harm the sale or hurt, you know, the style of the home or the setup or the layout. Um, so now that's usually what I say, you know, trust the process. We've been doing this a long time. Just sit with it. We know what we're doing. Uh, it will be fine. And it always is. But it's just teaching people, okay, yes, it's a lot of change. Yes, it's a lot of stress. Um, but you just have to trust the people that you hire that they're going to be, you know, doing what's best for you. So let's extrapolate that to your team. Yeah. Right, because as a business owner, who's a perfectionist who does everything herself, and again, making a comparison to what we do here, mm-hmm. when you start, like, how long and how did you figure out to use, you know, the team concept or people that can execute maybe with more attention on every single detail than you to the same level that you execute on? Because that's always hard for a business owner to let go of all the yeah. little things and trust that it's still going to get done, right? Yeah, and. Initially, it was tough. Um, when I was first starting out, there was just myself and another girl. And so I was always hands-on. I have learned that you have to be able to delegate and you have to trust your team behind you. And my girls are really, really good. And they they know me so well that we actually speak the same language. Yeah. Like, we think the same. We finish each other's sentences. Like, it's, it's so weird. But it's amazing because I know that they... Um, they get me and yeah. they understand what I expect when they're into staging at home. Cause obviously I can't be everywhere all the time anymore. So like how you talk to clients, what you're looking for when you're yeah. in the house, you know, any major red flags that you need to deal with. How'd you train them though to do that? They, I would make them shadow me. Yeah. So they would come with me to the staging consults. They would walk through them with me and then I would have them do the staging consult reports yeah. and they send it to me and then I look it over and then I get them to fix things as yeah. needed. So it's a lot of back and forth, but... Um, well, there's a second tip. I drew that out of you for a reason yeah. because, I mean, I struggle with it too, where I'm like, well, no, I'm going to do the price and comparison analysis. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you're never letting anybody else level up because you're just controlling everything. Yeah. But the other side of that is if you're somebody that's interested in learning, you can read all the books you want. You can watch all the YouTube videos you want. Just get around somebody that's actually doing it. Oh, yeah. And you'll learn more literally in probably five hours of shadowing somebody than you would of a hundred years of classes and courses for people that probably are actually doing it, right? Yeah, and it's interesting because I just had this conversation with Ila last week. Yeah. Um, I've hired so many girls from Fanshawe who have graduated interior decorating, interior design, and they have way more schooling than I do. Yeah. You know, I didn't go to school and take four years of interior design. I just think I have a gift. I think yeah. just whatever. I was just born this way. Um, and all the schooling in the world does not make you a great designer. Mm-hmm. It's you're either passionate about it and it's just your thing or you're not. And I've hired girls that have quit and they're like, we hate this. Mm-hmm. this they, is don't, awful. they like what they see on TV. Yeah. Right? Same thing as real estate yeah. agents, right? It's the exact same conversation I have with people that call me now. I'm going to get my license. I'm like, amazing. Why? And they don't know. And I'm like, well, you should an- answer that question Because you make first. so much money, but they don't yeah. see the behind the scenes, yeah. right? Oh, 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 you guys make so much money. They have no clue, right? Like yeah. even sellers and buyers, like they may run a percentage on sales price and think that's what you make, right? And they don't look at what it costs actually in business. It's yeah. bananas. And there was a post I was reading yesterday about it that was pretty funny that broke down everything from distributions and sales, but that's just human nature, right? Yeah. It's what have you done for me lately? You're looking at what am I paying for the service? Yeah. Regardless of what the service dynamic looks like, exactly. how 
how is it in the staging world when you're building a business like that? Like, how do you come up with costing? And how do like, oh, it's, it's such tough. a tricky thing, right? Because so your rates are really good considering what you do, yeah. but you extrapolate it to different markets and it's always a cost. It always yeah. seems like, man, like, you know, I can spend X amount of money and make 10 times that, but it's still X amount of money, right? So yeah. where did you find your kind of sweet spot? In it what? took me a long time to yeah. figure out the pricing in London because London's a different market. Like Toronto, gosh, you can charge 10, 10 20. 10, yeah, yeah, yeah like no problem. But London is a bit of a more conservative market. So initially it was a bit of trial and error, but um, now I think we just found that sweet spot that everyone seems to be able, you know, they're okay with. Yeah. Um, it's not crazy. It's not super cheap. It's just kind of like that middle ground. Well, it's hard say. because if you're the cheapest on the block, your service is going to lack because you yeah. just can't. Like, there's only so much you can do on a file for X amount of dollars once you net it out. If you're the most expensive on the block, you clearly have a full client list and you don't really need the work. And yeah. how motivated you're going to be? It's you know, is it a little bit of making sure that you're selective enough about the jobs that you take? You're probably yeah. at that point. Yeah, we don't right? we don't take every single job, but. Yeah. You know, people don't think of the overhead. Like we have to have a warehouse to store the furniture. We have to have we have our van to pay for insurance to my employees. You know, business insurance. Like there's a lot of overhead that people don't think about. And then so I'm going to ask you a question though, because you dove in head first from London life, started doing this. You're taking your furniture out of your living room. It's yeah. hilarious. I love the story. I love the yeah. hustle that side of it. I think that's why we were always friends and yeah, our businesses. At what point in the business did you start sitting down and be like, okay, I really got to get my P&L straight out? You know, was it right from the jump? Were you always a numbers person or was it something you learned? No, I'm not a big numbers person yeah. at all. So it took me a long time to learn it and to figure it out. And then I just, you know, even in terms of inventory, I stored it in my garage yeah. when I started to get things. And then I rented like a little box at the storage storage mart or whatever it is on fan shop here so i had you know we didn't have i couldn't afford the lights yeah so we would use a flashlight to go into our storage unit to try to find these because they couldn't afford the hydro monthly sure um and then from one i got two from two i got three from three i got four and i was like oh gosh we don't have any more room in here you know and then and then we moved i leased a warehouse and then now we have this other warehouse so it's just It was just, we grew and as we grew, I had to shift. And as I shifted, it was uncomfortable, but if you don't keep shifting, then- You don't grow. You know, was I petrified? Yeah. How am I gonna pay for these people? How am I gonna pay for this space? But I just always had trust. I just trusted that everything is happening the way it was meant to be. And as long as I'm working, not laying on the couch all day long and I'm doing what I, the best that I can, I just, I just have faith that it works out and it always, always does. I, I'm kind of smirking and laughing from the standpoint that, you know, I've heard that people sitting on the couch all day and they're not wondering why the phones aren't ringing. Yeah. Not of restaurants I see that open up and they'll flop because they didn't do anything to get people there. Exactly. I mean, if it came down to it and you were a restaurateur, the same principles would apply. You'd be running to people's houses, handing out coupons, just getting people to, yeah. to the actual place. And on the commercial leasing section, our commercial department, when we work with people, we want to see people like you that are concerned about the growth and not thinking like, this is going to be a breeze. I'm going to double my you know monthly overhead and for sure get a hundred more jobs. Yeah. You want to be conscious of it, but you don't want to let it stop you from growing. Like this office that we're sitting in right now, I didn't want to do this. Shannon's the one that really pushed us into it. I was very happy on Palm Wall Street, but every time we painted ourselves into a corner, you came in and I'm like, I wish we had this whole floor. Like, And it's such a cool space. That's where... I mean, you got to get uncomfortable to, to grow and, yeah. you know, once you're comfortable, if that's where you want to stay by all means, but I think most of the people watching this 
are looking to grow in their own world yeah. or business, you know, if not just get out of their comfort zone, right? And for me, marketing is everything. Like, mm-hmm. I love marketing. In my second life, when I come back on earth one day, I think I'll do marketing. But I love to market my business. I love to create products because we start our own product lines now. I love to just promote my team and how talented they are. And I just, I love everything about houses and design. And at the end of the day, we're helping people, which makes it so nice. You know, they're, they're so thankful at the end. And the work creates the relationships, which yeah. creates real wealth, right? Like both yeah. from just doing good work with people where it does not even the monetary attribute of it. It's, hey, you know, if, if I die one day, I want people to show up. My funeral will be like, hey, he was a good guy. Or same thing with you. It's the same yeah. concept, right? Where your work is a vehicle. So find something that you're passionate about, something you love. And if you're stuck in something you don't love, don't think that you can never change it. I mean, you did it in just a little over a decade, which isn't a very long time. And now you're looking at where else you're going to grow. I'm going to ask you a question because I feel like this. You probably feel like you haven't even really started yet, right? Like yeah. you still have that feeling that I'm like, oh, like people call it imposter syndrome. You're like, well, other people look at me and tell me I have this great business. In your mind, you're like, yeah, like I'm still, I'm still going to go so much further, right? Yeah. Like I have so many things in my head and mm-hmm. I just, I feel like there's so much more I need to accomplish. It's just creating that roadmap and the time. How do you deal with the distractions? Because sometimes they, I get caught up in them, it's tough. Yeah. And you got to kind of sit down and narrow your focus. Do you have any tactics around that that you use to help yourself focus? For me, I've been really trying to minimize my phone time because I, like, like everyone, I got caught up in this scrolling stuff, which is such a waste of time. I've started reading. Yeah. Um, I really want to start reading and listening to podcasts. So I've been doing a little bit more of that. And then just envisioning where do I see myself in the next five years? Where's this business going? Mm-hmm. You know, what does it look like? And where are the opportunities yeah. in the industry? What are yeah. people not doing that we can do better or different, right? It's we look at our business the exact same way. And, you know, if you talk about say competition, for example, you're aware of probably the competition, but you probably don't even think of yourself in the same class as the other people that you're working against, right? It's No, we're just, we are different. Yeah. You know, our staging is different. I, I feel like people always text me and be like, you stage that house, didn't you? And I'm always like, how did you know? And yeah. they're like, you just know your work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our work kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, I'm so blessed and grateful for the opportunities that we've had. And you know, I just can't wait to see what uh, next year brings. What are you working on right now? That Right now I'm working on the dream home. Oh, really? Where else? Uh, it's going to be, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, okay. so I better Sorry, not say, it might be a secret, yeah. um, but we've been working hard on the dream home and that's awesome. going to launch for spring, so I'm super pumped for that. I love doing the dream home. So How did you connect with the LHSC? Like what it was, because you have oh, a ton gosh. of them, right? Yeah, I remember, I think I was only a year in business wow. and I did that dream home over on Rosecliff Terrace. Yeah, I remember. Uh, with Sean, 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 Sean in the wine yeah. rack in the basement. Yeah, and, and I remember when I just got this random message, do you want to interview for the dream home? And I was like, okay, so I show up in high heels. It's a construction zone. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh gosh, this probably isn't smart. And I'm like, oh gosh, I should have worn a different outfit. And I was so nervous. And uh, I that's where I went with, met one of my best friends, Rita. Yeah, she's she, amazing. She's a lot of uh, flies under the radar but she's just it's amazing to watch people and like the purpose that they bring and skills that they bring to a project and 
you know, I've been able to watch you do a number of them with people that we've worked with together and other people that I've met through that connection. We were just talking about one of them that potentially yeah. is going to be coming to work at Prime pretty soon. So yeah. it's, again, you're just building a community of people and passion projects within your work, right? So yeah. And I just, for me, I love to give back and the creative opportunity that Dream Homes provide for us, for me, is just such a big outlet. Um, because obviously when we're designing for an individual, we're kind of stuck with what they want to do. Yeah. Whereas a dream home, I could do, we have a very strict budget, but if I want to paint it purple, I can paint it purple. If I want to paint it, you know, yeah. of course the builder has to agree with me too. But yeah, so it's just a good outlet and it's a great way to get back to our community and our hospitals obviously need, they need the, the fundraising, right? The, it, it's been one of the best so. ones I've seen, like to support and it's fun too. And a lot of times, I mean, it's nice to get out of the box and London's been a very conservative market for a long time, but I've seen things from dream homes implemented into other home styles and larger, you know, production volume homes that, you know, it's fun to play around with it and, and be inspired by that stuff and then going out and doing your kind of day-to-day work. I've got a couple questions from the audience, so I might as well ask you that. I'm gonna get you out of here in three minutes. Realtor timelines are usually tight. How do you manage their timelines and get your job done effectively? I've probably put you against the job a couple times. Oh gosh, we you know what, we're able to manage it. And I, when I hire my girls, I say, you know, there's a couple of things that you have to be able to do to work for me. And that is a, be okay with no schedule because we really don't have one and B work in tight, short timelines. Right. You know, how often do we get a call? Hey, I just have this listing for you. We want it listed on Friday and it's Tuesday. I'm like, okay. You know, we make it work. Right. And if we can, then, you know, and how you treat people goes a long way too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's been times where I understand the dynamics of your world yeah. and I'll say, like, I'll fully understand that something's not possible. I'm not going to give you a hard time about it, but at the same time, how you treat people, you get it in kind where there's times I know you've been slammed, you've done stuff for my clients that I can't believe got done, yeah. right? So I appreciate that on the other side. Um, how do you present your suggestions? Booklet, leave behind, email? We usually email the PowerPoint to them uh, and then they look it over sometimes we will present it to the client like we just have that one on, on Calvin. Yeah. Um, it's, li- it's listed so we're good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm Calvin. Oh, she's really pretty. pretty. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, sometimes clients want to meet with me and that's fine too. Uh, but generally we, to answer the question, yeah, we just email it in like a PDF. Yeah. Question for you because I do this all the time. Okay. Like, do you find just the PDF is enough or do you have follow-up conversations sometimes to explain it? Do people have a hard time I just, find, just, just yeah, I find the frustration for us as a staging team is we do we take all this time to do the report and nine times out of ten, you know, it's missed or it's not read. Yeah. Which is why next year we have a surprise that we're gonna to implement to just make everybody's life easier. Yeah. It's fun, it's um, tough because I just tell the reason I asked yeah. you that was yesterday I'm dealing with a land development deal and they're like, Well just send me your report and I was like, Great, I'll send you a high level overview, but there's some proprietary yeah. stuff I can't include in there we need to have a conversation yeah. about it because I'm going to explain in detail these items. Cause if you just look at the report, you're not going to understand a hundred feet deep into the topics that actually really matter. Right. So I think for people out there watching, don't just expect to just get a boilerplate PDF and assume that you can understand right. every piece of it. It's more about extrapolating the value and the relationship and developing that relationship with the person that you're And for us, what happens is if we arrive at to stage the home at 10 in the morning or nine 30, Photos are at one, and we get there, and nothing's been done. Yeah, we are on such a time crunch, right? Because we have a photographer coming, and it's like, oh gosh, nonstop communication. Yeah. I mean, 
We do not think it's bad and it's supposed to be that. Yeah. It's, it's such a hard thing to implement, right? Yeah, it's from so a systems perspective, I put like multiple reminders to touch base with lawyers, lenders, sellers, yeah. just to double, triple, quadruple check. Like I'm sending out a message more than this to a client that I have a photographer going to see them at four o'clock so to do some dust shots to remind them. Because for yeah. all intents and purposes, they may have forgot, right? Like it's my job to keep them yeah. on point. And it's tough because we have so many jobs on the go. Yeah. Building those systems can be tricky. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a couple rapid fire questions and get you out of here. How has failure shaped your life? Failure? Oh gosh, I still have failure all the time. Yeah. You're um, not failing, you're not growing, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what? You just have to pick yourself up and learn the lesson. Sometimes I have to learn the lesson a couple times yeah. um, to really get it. But yeah. You know, initially it used to knock me off my feet. Like I'd be off my game for days. Now I'm like, you know what, guys? It was a mistake. We're human. We make mistakes. We fall down. We get back up. We fail as a team. We win as a team, and onward. We we implemented something. You're welcome to take this. But every time we're done a file, especially if it's an important file, we do something called an after action report. What did we do well? What did we do poorly? What could we improve at? Yeah. And I I messaged somebody that we that I work with this morning. And I said, you know, just given the dynamics of what we're doing right now, I think I'm going to step back from that relationship for a little bit Mm -hmm. because I think we're focused on what we do. And when it lines up exactly with what they do, I'm cool to work together. You know, I looked at that as, you know, I'm still going to send you the AAR is what I told them. I said, I want to know, you know, how how we executed. We set a record setting price on one street forum. Here's where I failed and here's where I could be better next time. Right. And I do think that relationship as it develops is even more fun because they're used to working with every other realtor in the city that's just going to always put forth this image that they're perfect and they're the best and this, that, and the other, where I'm willing to be vulnerable and have a discussion with them and say, you know what, maybe I should have pushed better for tighter communication timelines or set better expectations of what, you know, we needed from them in order to execute a little bit better, right? But if you're not taking a hard look at yourself with your team and then talking to your clients about it, you're going to have relationships that nobody really values and you're a dime a dozen, right? They can fire you and hire somebody else versus if you're going to put yourself into it, it's a different thing altogether, right? 100%. What are you learning right now, whether in your business or in your life, that applies to business? What am I learning? I am learning how to just be in the moment more. Mm Because I'm a big... Going back to the phone thing and everything else. Yeah, I'm a big, okay, what about next week? What about this? What about this? And I find that we lose sight on the moments that are so cool. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to really teach myself to just stay in the moment. I started trying to meditate a little bit just yeah. to like, because I can get, you know, I struggle with anxiety a lot of the time. Like I'm super A-type, very, sure. very headstrong sometimes. And, you know, being self-employed and never knowing what the future looks like is really tough sometimes, yeah. especially as, you know, things quiet down over the holidays and this and that. Smart. And you know, just kind of being in the moment and having faith in, in the future. Do you use an external brain in any capacity? What's that? A notepad or something digital to keep all of your ideas or everything. So Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a big fan of, of writing. So I was going to say that's one of the biggest takeaways I've learned over the years is having an external brain to write every single thing it down. Was that. It's just a word I that I use for it. And I use, I use a paper notepad because it's important, but I use a digital one for high level. And honestly, I just keep a list of urgent things that have to be done now, maybe things that have to be done this week, and then to sort. And my to sort list is massive, but I'll do like a mind sweep once a month where I'll go through it. 
Just I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, there was that, oh yeah, there was that, right? Because I do feel like we all struggle with the same thing, where there's so yeah. many things in your personal life and your work life and everything else. Everything. An yeah. idea that you know is, is a great idea, but you don't have time to get through this quarter, having an external brain to store all of those ideas and you can just go back to it, life changing. You know what I love most about writing things on paper? Yeah. Scratching it yeah. out when you've done it. The best. Isn't yeah. it the most rewarding thing yeah. ever? I'm like, yes. I, in my notepad, I do that. I try to do it like 15 minutes in the morning and at night. Because really, if you just develop these tiny little habits, it's amazing how it moves the needle for you. It's like having an assistant with you that you're not paying 40 grand a year to actually exactly. do your stuff yeah. for. Yeah. Um, who do you know should I, that I should know that I haven't met? We know a lot of the same people, so I'm not sure if there's anybody that jumps off the page that you who think I know that, you that should I should know? know. You met Rita. I have. Rita's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't think I know. Okay, we'll figure something out when we're done the episode. I'm sure that there's somebody I haven't met that you know. We'll have to think of that. For sure. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. That was a ton of good info for the audience. I know that there's a lot of people out there that love staging and design and home design. If they want to reach you, what's the easiest way for me to put them in touch with you? Just myself. Okay. So we'll put all of our contact information in the actual notes. Um, Is there an Instagram account or anywhere else I can send them to follow you? Upstaging Limited is my Instagram account or Facebook. I don't use a whole lot anymore. Instagram is more of our... IG, you'll get her direct. Go hit her up for all your home staging design questions. I definitely appreciate having you in our world. You've done so much for us and our clients. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was awesome having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you.